I'm Mike Organ with Mike Organ Farms in Thorndale, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Another wave of cold weather is moving across the state, so jump on in with me. I've got the heater running. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a San Angelo ranch is recognized for environmental stewardship. At the recent cattle industry convention in Houston, they recognized a San Angelo ranch for all the work they've done for the environment and sustainability. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In a time when their input costs are high, Texas High Plains farmers may be getting a bargain on one expense we don't talk about very often, crop insurance. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Livestock producers supplemented their animals with more than normal feed during the February winter storm in Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Dry Creek Ranch in San Angelo was named one of the seven finalists for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Environmental Stewardship Award. Dry Creek Ranch is owned by Carl Slinky. He says stewardship and sustainability has always been the goal. Using the word sustainability in cattle, I feel we've, in stewardship with our land, we've got it so that uh, it is sustainable. I think uh, knowing that we're in droughts, uh, some people say every seven years, I think if you'll stock accordingly, it is going to be sustainable. But that didn't come without a lot of work. We took land that, uh, in my frank opinion, probably had been overgrazed, and we uh, cleared it of mesquite and cedar and prickly pear and uh, distributed water over it and things of that nature to make it more productive. We followed that by reseeding with improved grasses, and uh, the good Lord blessed us uh, in those particular years with more rainfall than average, helping us establish uh, a grass that is uh, very fitting for cattle. Last year, the Dry Creek Ranch won the Outstanding Rangeland Stewardship Award from the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. Texas livestock producers have a couple of weeks left to sign up for the Livestock Indemnity Program. 
Livestock owners and contract growers who lost livestock to adverse weather, disease, or animal attacks in 2021 have just a few more days to apply for assistance through the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Livestock Indemnity Program. LIP is designed to help livestock owners who experience deaths exceeding normal mortality. Payments are equal to 75% of the average fair market value. The deadline to sign up for LIP for M. bovis in Bison is Monday, February 28th. Proof of deaths due to M. bovis is required. The deadline to sign up for LIP for other livestock losses is Tuesday, March 1st. Sign up at your local Farm Service Agency office. Call ahead. An appointment may be required. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Drought is taking a huge toll on Texas agriculture this winter, with wheat, oats, and other winter pastures suffering the effects. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. We're seeing roughly two-thirds of the oats, the winter wheat, and the rangeland and pastures rated in very poor to poor condition. And statewide topsoil moisture is rated 77%, very short to short. So for Texas, that shows that the impact of that early February precipitation was quite limited, and likely the benefits were lost in the warm, windy weather that followed that storm system. Rippey says this current storm system that's moving through Texas right now may help a little, but it won't be enough to make a huge difference. In a time when input costs are high, James Hunt tells us Texas farmers may be getting a bargain on one expense this year. With severe inflation having elevated input costs on things like fertilizer and pesticides and fuels, farmers have been under a lot of pressure trying to figure out where they can trim their budgets to bring their break-evens down. As everybody knows, it's proving to be a very hard challenge. But as he visits with Texas High Plains producers on cost-cutting strategies, Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says one thing that looks like a really good purchase this year is crop insurance. If you look at the cost of crop insurance last year, this year, didn't really change. The cost of everything else has largely gone up. And so year to year, crop insurance became a relatively more valuable input because it provides the same level of protection that it always has if you spend the same amount of money on it. So it protects more of your revenue or your price. But in addition to that, we expect commodity prices to be relatively high through the insurance price setting period. And so with the price risks that are in the market, the almost certain yield risks from short water conditions, I think focusing on optimizing your insurance is going to be one of the most valuable inputs you spend time on this year. And it's important to think of it as an input the same way you think of fertilizer and irrigation and and seeding rates as, as an input. It is an input in producing revenue, even though it may not be an input in producing your crop. So I definitely would spend more time this year with my crop insurance agent. Once again, that was Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez. We appreciate the insights he shared with us on our show this week. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas livestock producers poured on the feed during the recent winter storm. Tom Nicoletti has the story. 
We go to Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco now. And uh, Shane, uh, as far as uh, the, the cold, cold temperatures and ice that uh, uh, blanketed central Texas uh, in early February uh, certainly uh, impacted uh, what uh, livestock producers and farmers had to do. Let's talk about the livestock and uh, what uh, farmers had to do to keep their cattle, uh, cattle in, in check. Well, anytime we have cold weather, we're going to have livestock producers supplementing their animals, just helping them keep warm. Uh, that's how the livestock can kind of regulate the, the their body temperature is by just converting food and uh, digesting. So everybody was making sure that they were feeding some kind of a protein, whether that was in a bag feed or you know cubes, whatever it might be, and then just keeping hay out for their for their livestock. A lot of our our hay supply was fed during that cold spell as livestock were just trying to stay warm and they were doing so of course by eating and certainly i'm sure uh, producers had to go out and uh, uh break uh, break some frozen ice uh on uh, various water sources we did and when i actually went out to some tanks that were froze it wasn't real bad livestock could still were stepping on the edge of the tanks cattle were and, and were breaking the ice but if you had any type of livestock, they were being watered out of a water trough. And, of course, that froze the, the first night. But most of our, our stock tanks where most of our cattle are watered was okay. And then by Saturday afternoon, a lot of those were starting to, to melt. And it wasn't near as bad as the cold spell we had last year. And certainly there was plenty of um, supplemental feeding and hay to uh, to uh, take care of the cattle at this point was and roads weren't too bad most of the places i drove were okay as long as you had you know four-wheel drive you could get around to where you needed to and a lot of people stayed off the road which was helpful for those in agriculture that were out feeding livestock and breaking ice and uh, a lot safer most of our ag producers they, they know how to get around to where they need to be and they've got the equipment to do so and you didn't have to worry about the other drivers and you were able to to go check on your livestock and get them fed and watered and, and get home safely. So how did the winter precipitation impact the winter wheat crop in Central Texas? It's really too early to tell. Um, that's a great question, one that we're all curious about. Um, we were, we're hoping to get some moisture before the cold weather to help insulate our crop. Wheat has already had some damage due to just drought-type weather than, than the cold temperatures. And then coupled together, it's just it's a bad thing for wheat and oats. A lot of our tillers were damaged. We were hoping to get some moisture before the cold weather, and we did. Hopefully it was enough to help kind of protect the wheat from those really cold temperatures. We got down to uh, wind chills of of 9 and 7 that I know of. It's really hard to tell right now what what kind of damage was done, if any, and if that moisture was enough to, to help the crop out short term with the cold weather. I know we needed the moisture badly, and it'll go a long way. To, uh, to helping our crops if they were able to survive those cold weather, uh, cold temperatures. I know out in pastures right now, you see some green popping up already. Looked at a little bit of wheat over the weekend and really too early to tell. We'll know something by, by next weekend for sure. Typically, it takes seven to 10 days after a cold event or freezing event to be able to tell on, on your uh, small grains whether that cold weather did any damage or not. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Could animals become a reservoir for the virus that causes COVID-19? I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And taking your horse's temperature is a good idea. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on TexasFarmBureau.org. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Taking your horse's temperature is a good idea, but Dr. Bob Judd says it's important to know what to do if your horse has an increased temperature. A horse's temperature ranges from 99.5 to 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit. However, each horse has an individual normal temperature. So it's a good idea to routinely check your horse's temperature with a human rectal thermometer to know the range for your horse. If your horse's temperature is always around 99.5 to 100 and the temperature is 101.5, then this is likely an increase. Dr. Joan Norton indicates in the horse publication that it is really important to check your horse's temperature temperature at least daily, especially in horses that travel to shows or those stabled at barns with lots of horses coming and going. First, we need to determine if the increase in temperature is a true fever or caused by another issue. Horses can develop an increased temperature by having a high body temperature or a fever. The brain has a set point to control temperature and sensors in the body determine an increased temperature and trigger actions like sweating to preserve the set point. Otherwise, a horse's temperature would be extremely high with high environmental temperature or exercise. With hyperthermia, the body temperature rises, but the set point does not, so the horse is simply overheating, and this can be due to exercise, a lack of sweating, or certain drugs or toxins. With high-intensity exercise, the muscles produce more heat than the body can dissipate, and the horse's temperature rises after exercise. The temperature should return to normal once the horse has been cooled out. With a true fever, the set point increases, and this is due to infection or inflammation somewhere in the body. And if your horse has a persistent fever, a call to your veterinarian is in order. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Could animals become a reservoir for the virus that causes COVID-19? Jessica Domel takes a look at that question in today's Wildlife Report. Since the summer of 2020, Texas A&M University researchers have studied how animals are involved in the transmission of the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans. To date, scientists have confirmed cats, dogs, hamsters, mink, big cats, non-human primates, and even white-tailed deer can carry SARS-CoV-2. Dr. Sarah Hamer, Associate Professor of Epidemiology at A&M's College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, says her research team became interested in the potential role of animals in transmission of the virus right as the pandemic was first starting. 
if there's going to be any animals involved, we might think they're the ones that have the closest associations with humans. So we were looking at pets that live in our houses, sleep in our beds with us, you know, dogs and cats predominantly. And so we have been pretty busy studying dogs and cats basically since early summer of 2020. And I can tell you from our work with 600 animals that live with infected owners, that animal infections are not hard to find. And fortunately, these animals don't seem to get very sick. And we don't have evidence that that there's onward spread from those infected animals. She said these studies help open up our eyes to a less human-centric perspective on COVID transmission and the need to investigate potential animal reservoirs for the disease. Could there be an animal population that could maintain this virus infection on the landscape. Maybe they're not getting sick. Maybe they're transmitting amongst themselves, but kind of cryptically or silently, they are kind of maintaining this virus. And under the right circumstances, then it might, or the wrong circumstances, it might spill back over to humans. That research is ongoing. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in cattle and cotton on Thursday while the grain markets moved higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 19th through the 26th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm National FFA President Cole Bearlocker from the state of Washington. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Rising grain prices once again pushed cattle prices lower. We finished mostly lower on live cattle, lower across the board in feeder cattle. The live cattle market lower on all except the nearby February contract. It was up 27 to close at 143.40. The April down 15 at 146.77, while June was down 10 closing at 142.15. March feeder cattle dropped a dollar 25, 166.20. April feeders down a dollar 2 at 171.15, while May dropped to 82 cents to close at 175.72. Cash fed cattle market this week looks like 142 to 143 is selling cattle on a live basis. That's the price range up north. Dressed cattle there bringing 226 this week. That's 2 bucks higher compared to last week. The online fed cattle auction this week sold cattle at 142 to 142.50. Feedlots have the remaining cattle priced at 143 and better. Boxed beef was mixed on Thursday. Choice up 70 cents at 270.32. Select down 64, 265.44. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to get ready for the sale in Brenham at Cattleman's Brenham. Let's talk to Doug Bass about last week's sale. Doug, how'd it go? We had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 1,499 head of cattle. During market, just seems like it gets higher <clears throat> to me every week. 
you know, you're weighing cows and, and bulls way better again this week, and the calf market just stays strong as could be. Good. Let's so, walk the pins. Yes, sir. On your weighing cows, your thinner cows bring 46 to 62. Better high yielding cows bring 65 to 90. Lower yielding thinner bulls 68 to 88. You better high yielding bulls bring 95 to dollar 18. Pairs had a few good pairs. Pairs bring anywhere from 1250 to 1600. Bred cows bring anywhere from 400 to 1300, just depending on what they were. Two to three weight steers bring 141 to 217. Heifers bring 135 to 212. Three to four weight steers bring 138 to 225. Heifers bring 130 to 210. Four to five weight steers bring 130 to 210. Heifers bring 125 to 210. Five to six weight steers bring 126 to 212. Heifers bring 123 to 166. Six to seven weight steers bring 120 to 169. Heifers bring 115 to 178. Seven to eight weight steers bring 115 to 163. Heifers bring 112 to 139. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yearners bring 105 to 131. And the heiferettes bring a dollar to a dollar thirty. Sounds like you had a good sale. What are we anticipating for this Friday? We've got quite a few lined up. We've been gathering some pretty big places and getting get get, get some good dried out yearling. So I'm thinking we have a pretty good run this week. Yes, sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass, for the Friday sale in Brenham. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my cell, which is 979-877-4454. I call Sarah's office, which is 979-836-3621. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where we continue to see lean hogs climb higher. April jumped another 217 on Thursday to close at 107.57. May hogs up 217, closing at 111.32. Class 3 milk was higher. February milk up 13 cents, 2088 a hundredweight. March milk up 3 at 2234. We had a mixed close in the cotton market, not getting much support from Thursday's weekly export sales report. It showed sales at 150,000 bales. That's compared to last week's 180,000 bales. Cotton shipments were down too, but still around the 300,000 bale mark. We close with March cotton up two points, 121.93. October cotton down 44, 106.19. December cotton down 51 points at 102.31. The Russia-Ukraine standoff seems to be escalating again, and that's boosting grain prices, especially wheat. Corn getting some spillover support from that, as well as dry weather in South America. March corn up three, closing at 6.50 a bushel. September corn up two and a half. 607 and three quarters. July, Kansas City wheat up 15 and a half, 829 a bushel. July, Chicago wheat up 17 and three quarters at $8 and a quarter penny. In the energy markets, March natural gas was down 19 cents, 452. March crude oil down $1.86 at 9180 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Thursday afternoon. The Dow dropping 623 points at 34,310. The Nasdaq down 405, 13,716. The S&P down 95 points at 4,378. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.